0: uh and today I have a it, it's it's kind of an interesting study uh, the title of the chat we're on page number 170 in Goldsworthy and he he has the the title what is the Gospel now you understand let me back up and, and bring the lens out and, and bring us to where we are we We are dealing with Goldsworthy's book specifically to show. The continuity of the scriptures, the continuity of its subject and its purpose, it is meant to be, the the whole of scripture is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Every intent, every page has this intent, to reveal Christ. And that's why I took up, there's lots of things, as we all know, that Goldsworthy uh, says, we don't particularly hold to Uh, there's varying ideas varying things along the way we've kind of thrown a flag on it but overall his purpose in this trilogy was was to take this matter up the centrality of the gospel of Christ through all the scriptures and that's what I wanted to emphasize that's what I want to bring this church So when you come to a chapter entitled, What is the Gospel? You would be inclined to think, well, okay, we've lost our way. We're we're kind of off subject here. But we're not. This is a necessary digression, in my opinion. It is a necessary digression. Because if we're going to say that the centrality of the gospel, the the central message of the entire scripture is the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we do need to agree uh, how, what what is the gospel? At least have entertained some some thoughts to that that end. And so Goldsworthy begins, uh, and so I, I present that as a, as a defense apologetic for why why we're going to this subject uh, rather than just skipping over it. <clears throat> Page one seventy. Let us be clear what we mean. By the centrality of the gospel First what is the gospel The gospel is the message about Jesus Christ About his life, death, resurrection for us And our salvation It is an historic thing In that Christ redeemed us By what he was and did Nearly 2,000 years ago in Palestine While the effects of the gospel events stretched both backward and forward in time those effects those effects are not themselves the gospel which we believe for our salvation it is important that we distinguish the effects or fruits of the gospel from the gospel itself ah uh, I remember when I read that, I had a flashback, and it wasn't a good one. (laughs) It wasn't a good scene. Back years ago at uh, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, before we were missionaries to Ireland, I was given opportunity occasionally to teach the uh, adult Sunday school class. I guess that was kind of a rite of passage for young preacher boys. And, uh, I'll never forget, I wish I could, that one class I chose to take up the theme that Jesus Christ is the gospel. And I was very emphatic about that and very, uh, outspoken, I'm sure, overspoken, uh, to say that Jesus Christ is the gospel? I I would have trouble with that. Now I would I don't think I would use that terminology at all. Uh, it could be very misleading. I don't. I agree with Goldsworthy that the gospel is the record. It's the record, the story of his life, death, resurrection, his atonement, the work he did, what he. To, to use his words, what he was and did. That record is, is the gospel. He said regeneration, faith, and sanctification in the Christian are fruits of the gospel. But we do not lay hold of our salvation by faith in faith. <laughs> you get it? Not by faith in faith or in regeneration, or in the giving of the Holy Spirit, only by faith in Christ, in His living and dying as my substitute man, uh, as my substitute man. Do, only by believing in that do I receive the gift of salvation. Even the second coming of Christ is not the gospel, but a fruit of the gospel. We're not saved by believing that He will come, but by, by believing that He has come in the flesh. For us. So the gospel is distinctly, here he says it, second like paragraph on page 170. So the gospel is distinctly the work of Jesus Christ in the way that it is not distinctly the work of God the Father or the Holy Spirit. It is a perfect and complete work which took place in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and therefore not in us. It and it alone Is the basis of our Acceptance Right the gospel It is that story Now to give it a more Fine edge and Precision we always Go to our Confession Of faith And in the confession Of faith We have a Definition. We have a definition of the gospel. Uh, chapter twenty, whatever version of the confession you may have, uh, or whatever publication rather, uh, it's it is chapter twenty. No matter what page number it is in your book. Uh, Paragraph 2 of chapter 20 in the Baptist Confession of Faith This promise of Christ and salvation by him is revealed only by the word of God Neither do the works of creation and providence with the light of nature make discovery of Christ or of grace by him Paragraph 3, the revelation of the gospel unto sinners Made in diverse times and sundry parts with the addition of promises and precepts For the obedience required therein as to the nations and persons to whom it is granted is merely of the sovereign will and good pleasure of God not being annexed by virtue or any promises due to, to, to the due improvement of men's natural abilities, etc. Therefore in all ages the preaching of the gospel has been granted unto persons and nations as to the extent of restraining of it in great variety according to counsel and will of God. Now, uh, chapter, uh, paragraph 4 of chapter 20 although the gospel be the only outward means of revealing Christ and saving grace and he is as such abundantly sufficient therein the gospel is the only outward means of revealing Christ alright and so on and so forth that, that's not reading all of that chapter of course but that's just Touching the highlights of the chapter On uh, On the gospel In our uh, In our Baptist confession of faith Alright So a definition Of the gospel Now to give it an even Finer edge (laughs) Uh Dr. Gill In his Uh Work of theology, a complete body of doctrinal and practical theology, the body of divinity. It's, we refer to it typically as just the body of divinity. Uh, Dr. Gill says it takes up the gospel in uh, chapter seven of that particular work, and concerning it, he says. The name and signific- uh, signification of the word gospel is the first topic he takes up. He takes up the Greek word itself used for used for it throughout the New Testament, signifies a good message, good news, glad tidings, and such the gospel is. A message of good news from God from a far country to earth to sinners, the gospel of Christ was anointed to be preached and was preached, even good tidings, Luke chapter 4, compared with uh, Isaiah 61.1. And his ministers uh, bring it, whose feet are called, said to be beautiful because of bringing it. Then he undertakes the Hebrew word for gospel, and the preaching of it signifies also good tidings, same as the Greek word, which has led them to think of the incarnation of Christ, which is undoubtedly good news for the children of men and a considerable branch of the gospel of Christ. Our English word gospel, says Gill. our English word gospel is of Saxon, Saxon derivation in which language spell, S-P-E-L, signifies speech, And so gospel is either good speech, which carries in it the same idea with the Greek and Hebrew words, or God's speech, which he has spoken by his son, by the prophets, by his ministers. So the gospel, Gil first undertakes the definition of gospel by looking at the words used in scripture, which we have translated the gospel. Now he says it's called the gospel of salvation. In Ephesians 1.13, it's called the gospel of salvation. It's called the gospel of grace. In Acts 20.24, 20, it's called the gospel of peace. In Ephesians uh, uh, 6.15, 2 Corinthians 5.19, etc. So it can be called the gospel of peace. It is called in other places the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 and so on and so forth. So there's different these different names uh, for the gospel. But then at the close of that whole chapter. Gill says I shall close this chapter with a brief answer. To some queries relating to. Faith, repentance and good works As to what they belong As to what they belong Whether to the law or to the gospel Now I won't read all of this Because uh, it's rather lengthy uh, theology But there's the question of Does the gospel belong to Under the old covenant or the new does that particular word belong to to the gospel of law, or to the age of law, or to the age of grace?
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it does. It belongs to the age of law, and it belongs to the age of grace. It is the gospel. Now... Then he closes with one final little point of controversy, and we won't engage in it, but I will just share with you the point. He takes up the subject of whether good works belong to the gospel or to the law. And then take, goes into saying does man do men in all ages have the duty To believe the gospel. And that is that old theological debate. That was under the title. uh, Duty faith. Duty faith. There was a great controversy. Over whether or not all men. Have a duty. To obey the gospel. Or just the elect. And just to show you that that was a. uh, A thing. Primitive Baptist publications. I have in my book, uh, in my hand, this book uh, that was published. I'm trying to see the date. I don't see the date of publication on it. Okay, 1973. Published in 1973. Primitive Publications published it. They republished, actually. This was a book by Joseph Hussey, who lived from 1659 to 1726. And the title of his work is "God's Operations of Grace, but No Offers of Grace." Mm. Uh, just so you know, that book and its treatment—the subject that it treats—is is all to do with this matter of uh, this this matter of. Whether all men have a duty to believe the gospel. Do they have a duty to believe the gospel? Or is that duty only on the elect? Other men are condemned, of course, for their sins, but they're not condemned for the rejection of the gospel because they had no duty to believe the gospel. Because its promises were not for them. Do you understand that? At least you understand the controversy. Uh, And we could really get it. But let me just read the statement Gil makes at the conclusion. All duty and good works belong to the law. Now he's saying no matter which dispensation you're in, duty can only be spoken of Having to do with the law. Promise and grace belong to the gospel. The works of the law and the grace of the gospel are always opposed to each other. Now that doesn't really, that statement doesn't really solve or settle the debate about duty faith. But it does give you clarity about the fact that the law is what bespeaks duty. The gospel bespeaks grace. And my position, my own position on this debate, and there was a time in my life when I got very deeply into that discussion. Very deeply indeed. I was obsessed with the subject for a very long time. But my conclusion is, ask the question a different way. Do all men everywhere in every age have a duty to believe what God says? Yes. Do all men in every age have a duty to obey his command? Yes. Is the gospel a command? It came with this message. All men everywhere repent. So do all men everywhere have a duty to do that? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Now, I'm not saying they have a duty to have faith because faith isn't something they can get. That's a gift of God. All right? But do they have a duty to obey the dictate? That when the gospel comes, and we're about to publish this gospel tract? When the gospel comes to the center Is that just a proposal Of God's good intentions Or do they have a divine command To fall immediately And obey that gospel And submit to that Christ Yes They have, a, they have, a, they have an obligation A duty to submit immediately To the dictates of the gospel I'm very sure of that Now whatever theological terms you want to couch that in, every man who hears the gospel has a duty before God to obey that gospel which calls for submission to Christ. And if they do not, they will be judged. They will be judged for that sin, for the rejection of that gospel message. Does that open a whole can of worms or not? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, it opens a whole field of theological discussion. I am aware of that. But when we're taught when we're going to take up this subject, what is the gospel? These are the kinds of ideas that have to be entertained. What is the gospel? Let me just let me just read you uh, This, by, by way of bringing that whole subject to, and we can have a discussion of it if you'd like, but, but just to bring the, the lecture to something of a close, uh, Goldsworthy's words on page 171 The error that we must emphatically repudiate is the often held notion that the gospel is the power of God only to get us converted. I once heard a missionary, speak, uh, uh, a missionary speaker report how a pastor in the mission field wrote to the headquarters concerning his flock, quote, we all know the gospel here, and now we must go on to something more solid, end quote. The idea is that the gospel is the gateway to Christian experience and thus to eternal life. But once we enter into that gateway, we move on to another more solid reality by which we progress. Sanctification or becoming holy or growing in the Christian faith is frequently depicted as a new stage after conversion. The means to it is variously presented. For some, it is by an act of total commitment or self-emptying or putting to death the old nature. For others, it is a distinct crisis experience of the Holy Spirit. Christian literature and preaching is full of steps to the deeper life, or keys to the abundant, victorious life. This is not to quibble over pious jargon and terminology. The point at issue is simply this. When we approach sanctification, As attainable by any means. Other than the gospel of Christ. The same gospel by which we are converted. We have departed from the teaching of the New Testament. Departed from the teaching of the New Testament. When we say that sanctification. Or any other function in the Christian life. Is something that goes beyond the gospel. It's an additional, it's like an accessory to the gospel. Now the gospel, even in its seed form, even in a kernel, the gospel contains all of the message of Christ. It is, even in its kernel form, it is the essence of everything the believer will ever have. It's summed up in the gospel. That's the message. That's the message. That's the full message of the gospel. Now, when you reduce the gospel to two or three little bullet points on chick tract, then you don't have the full gospel. And so, obviously, it couldn't possibly contain all of that. But if you have the gospel, the true gospel, then you have everything in that gospel. Only it's reduced to a simple message, a recorded message of the life, death, resurrection, who he was and what he did. That is the whole gospel. Okay. All right. So I know I've opened a can of worms. So go ahead. <laughs> Let's discuss it. <laughs> Anybody have any comments? Luke, you have any comment? You quote it. Were you going to quote it? Oh yeah, I got the Bible here. Romans ten. Verse sixteen, but they have not obe- all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So they're condemned because they have not obeyed the gospel. That's your point. What is the obedience to the
1: gospel?
0: What is the obedience to the gospel? What? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. That's why I have not. I I've tried to be fair in my times, in my years that I was studying all that, and hung up on that. and I was literally hung up. I tried to be fair to them. And I think to be fair to them, what they have a quibble with is telling a man he's required to have faith. Because we all know faith is a gift of God, and therefore how can he hold men responsible for not having it? But there's shaky ground there, even that shaky ground. Because to have faith, is it not simply to believe him? And do you not have a duty to believe him? I I think you do. So I wouldn't use that term, duty faith, because I know it irritates some, (laughs) But I think the duty to obey and to believe is there in the gospel. I think it is. Whatever their good intentions may be. the
1: duty there is couched in the character
0: of the gospel. Right. His very truthfulness is Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. I, I agree. I fully agree. Right. 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 And that was a point that you made in your message. That was one of the points you brought so very clearly in your message that, that he has brought this gospel promises to you. And, and it is an affrontery to his veracity for you not to accept them on face value.
1: There is much duty to repent and believe mm-hmm. as there is to obey every John and tittle of the law. Exactly. And both... in in the final analysis must be done by faith.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So then in that sense, you have a duty to faith, right?
1: Because the writer of Hebrews says, through faith Mm -hmm. we understand that the world were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things Which you hear, it requires faith to believe the opening words of the book,
0: right? That God created the world,
1: and so as as was mentioned in the message, in the gospel message, Christ summed that up in one word: love.
0: Love, yeah.
1: You are to love the Lord your God in all these ways.
0: In all these ways
1: and your failure to do that does not relieve you in the least of the command that God has given for you for us to do.
0: That. yeah and that's in your gospel message that's why I want these two messages printed both of them and I would take that further and
1: say I would argue that these are why questions that are minimalized marginalized who have not been responsible to their views and think
0: about it. That's right. This is why these are important
1: questions. Mm-hmm. Because if it is true that man is obligated to believe God's report, that means it is incumbent upon every believer to know what the gospel report is. Yes. For you are good. Another gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got to be right on what
0: the gospel is. So That's right. And then press to duty to believe. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That looked so, like that,
0: put that looked like that putting Ms. Faith's wheels turning. I can see it in her head. She's, she's processing that. <laughs> say that again. Just say that again. What you just said. Well, if,
1: if there is an obligation. If you don't have an obligation to believe anything that God has said, we which was John, then it is incumbent upon mm-hmm. every believer to be clear on what you has said. Mm-hmm. So that you are requiring
0: the unbeliever that they believe the truth and not your your misconceptions or right error. Right, that's right. And and thus the importance, as I said at the my opening statements. This is a needful digression from our principal study of Goalsworthy to take on this subject. What is the gospel? Because you, if man is obligated to believe it, then you as a believer are obligated to be sure that you have it right, that you're presenting it right, and that you have the whole gospel. This is a very important discussion.
1: And by way of comparison, you know, with the discussion on faith, is it not also true that you mentioned earlier the commandment to all men were to repent? Yeah. That the scripture is very plain that repentance itself is also a gift from God. Yes it is. And so it highlights man's total reliance on Christ and his complete salvation, whether it's faith, repentance, whether it's being holy reform.
0: There's not. Yeah, you, you, can't
1: things things. yeah. You, you can't do any of this.
0: Yeah, you can't do any of this. You're absolutely hopeless, helpless to do any of this. So that's one of the things that chokes some of our other former relations is that say, you know, well, you say we can't, you know, the sinner can't, can't do anything. Well, so why, why bother? Why are you even preaching? What are you preaching? What are what you saying to people? I'm saying to them, you can't do this. What in the world are you doing that for? So they'll go to Christ. (laughs) You can't do any of this. But but God has provided himself a Christ. And he has reported it in the scriptures. And if I were you, I'd make it my business to try to get to that Christ. (laughs) I'd make it my business to try to get to that Christ. Now, you can find that any way you want to. But when the sinner comes under conviction, that's exactly what he will do. He's not looking for theological definitions. He's not looking for T's to cross, and I's to die. He's looking for a Savior. That's what he needs to do. And I, I've had men go in with me to the jail. And I present a gospel message. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, it become quite effectual. And some man come to me as I'm leaving out and say, Preacher, you can't leave I got to be saved. You got to help me. You got to help me get saved. And I tell them straight up, friend, I can't help you. I've told you. You need to get to Christ. You need to get to Christ. Because I don't want this fellow going to his grave relying on me, the confidence in, in what I did for him. I can't do anything for you. You better get to Christ. And if they do that, the job will be done. And my hand will not have been in it. Get to Christ. But the duty is there. The duty to get to Christ. It's there. I think. Responsibility of every soul.
1: Which also. necessitates fear. In our words. Mm -hmm. When we are. Presenting the gospel. And that brings me back to Goldsworthy. He he mentioned he says it in this way: regeneration faith and sanctification in the Christian are fruits of the gospel. That may be true, depending on how you might read given text. But the reality is, more more accurately, all those things are the purchase of the gospel, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why they can be
0: purchased requested. fruits of the
1: gospel. Yeah. A, they, are, they are purchased made by Christ as part of the gospel. of the gospel. Yes, his uh-huh. gospel work yeah death, burial, and resurrection. All of those things were purchased, and therefore can be applied. And therefore why why the gospel is made effectual, because it is as Paul said in Romans chapter one, it's the power of whom? Of God yeah. from the salvation. Right. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. It's the power of God because He's purchased those things, all of it regeneration, yeah. repentance,
0: faith, faith
1: sanctification, courts, all of it is purchased in the Word. That is defined
0: by the gospel. Therefore, he can dispense it as as purchased right that he gives. Yes. Isn't that glorious? Purchased right. I like that. (laughs) It's says purchased right to dispense it as he will because it it belongs to him. (laughs) Amen. I like that. Yeah, the one thing John and I had discussion on the phone. Uh, well, it was this week, last week, whatever? I asked him about something I read in Goldsworthy. He he and I agree. Uh, the only uh, one one downfall criticism we have with Goldsworthy is he often makes statements that are not are not inaccurate, but they're very poorly put. They, they, they're just subject to differing interpretation, and he's a little bit sometimes not. As clear as he should be with his language. And we just kind of have to express those uh, and magnify those, those sentences. But we're not following goals worthy anyway. We're following Christ. We're just using this for a study guide. But right, yeah, those are purchased possessions of the Christ whose gospel we're proclaiming. <laughs> when we proclaim Christ, and that's that goes to Luke's point. We're to know when you are presenting the gospel to a sinner. Here's the contents of that gospel. It isn't that faith and repentance and all these things are wonderful gifts and you can go get them. It's that Christ purchased them for his people. And he will, in fact, dispense them in time. To his people. Now that is a biblical gospel message. And of course the question comes. Then well how do I am I one of those people. That's a wonderful question. You should go to Christ and get the answer to that. (laughs) I recommend you go to Christ and find out. Because I can't tell you. All I can tell you is the truth. He purchased these gifts for his people. And that is a wonderful message. Where does that leave you? That's you and Christ. That's between you and him. (laughs) Where does that leave you? That's a good question. You need to settle it.
1: Very good. That's a wonderful discussion. I thought it would be. All right. let's, Let's conclude in prayer.